Hello and welcome to the next instalment of MediaTel Conversations, a podcast brought to you by MediaTel. Our aim is to bring you the biggest names in the media industry to discuss the most important news topics of the day, as well as allow them to tell their story. This week, the editor-in-chief of Videonet, John Moulding, sits down with Chris Ambartier, the executive vice president of business operations and strategy at NBC Universal, to discuss how unified planning and campaign management are now possible thanks to the pioneering implementation of the One platform. Well, I'm with Christian Bartier, who's the Executive Vice President for Business Operations and Strategy at NBC Universal. And we're talking about breaking down planning silos and the impact that can have on TV. So, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us, Christian. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, I know one platform is a kind of a very important project at NBCU, and it kind of encapsulates your vision for where TV needs to go. So, just you know, explain what it is and the problem that you're trying to solve. It does. I think that's a fair point. So I always start from the perspective of the consumer because the viewership migration that we're experiencing, not only in the United States, but really in all advertising marketplaces around the world, is what is driving a need both on the buy side and the sell side to look at the business of advertising within video and certainly premium video through a different lens. We have continued pressure on linear television. That's been uh, the case and a fact in most mature uh, advertising marketplaces for the past few years. We don't see that changing. And we also have a significant acceleration on the other side of the equation towards what originally was digital viewership, both on uh, desktops and, and mobile devices, but now really is being driven by OTT and CTV viewing of long form and all sorts of linear and short form content. So you have these two massive consumer trends in viewership and to a marketer, especially given the fact that 80% of, uh, in our case, our digital viewership actually happens back on a television screen. For a marketer, the plumbing underneath and the planning and the how you activate your consumer messaging really should be no different. You want to be in front of the right audiences in the right context at the right time, yet we have made it as an industry incredibly complex, not necessarily all by choice, but in some cases by choice, to activate against that. So the idea behind one platform is to make that significantly more easy and be able to re-aggregate all of these consumer touch points that are on the one hand declining, on the other hand increasing, but in some total fragmenting, but actually driving sort of increased engagement with premium video, make that easier, make it more automated, make it more data informed, make it more sophisticated, and therefore allow marketers and agencies alike to take more advantage of the reach and the engagement and the impact that we can ultimately drive through all of those touch points. So one analogy I've been making that we may get to in this interview as well is what Peacock NBC's ad-supported OTT service is to consumers. We want one platform to be for marketers, right? If you think about Peacock, it's ultimately going to have the greatest content, both library and original and third party, um, in the most delightful and best consumer experience available in a ubiquitous manner. If you think about one platform as an equivalent to that, in serving, in this case, marketers, not consumers, we want all of our greatest content, all of our consumer reach, 
and endpoints to be available in a platform that is delightful and easy to use and easy to execute against. Uh, and that's really the goal here. Okay, and it covers all your inventory and it's multi-screen, of course. I mean, you've been using the word transformational to describe the solution. I mean, just give us some very specific examples of you know, things that we used to do that we now do differently through one platform. In the US marketplace, and I know it's different in some other markets, the way that television in particular is still planned for and bought is very much in a silo of the linear television medium itself, the networks that constitute that linear television universe, and in many cases, the day parts, meaning the time of viewing and the shows themselves. And while we don't want to take away from the value of specific brands or specific shows, it does feel very anachronistic to be buying against a demographic and a subset of networks or day parts or shows at a time when digital platforms have taught us that the best way to reach and engage consumers is to be more targeted, to put your message in front of them at the right time in the right context and be able to measure that impact. So the transformation aspect comes from a very traditional and legacy way of conducting business ultimately to a much more fluid way of conducting business. And that widens the aperture both in terms of the audiences that we encourage marketers to uh, look through a lens on. So demographics is one way of looking at it, but the core currency in the US business is the 18 to 49 year old demographic. And it's no secret that over 50% of the US consumer buying power actually happens outside of the 18 to 49 demographic. So if that's the case, then how could then possibly be the only or the vast majority of the currency that we're transacting on? So there's a shift in currency. There's also a shift in the liquidity of the inventory, as I mentioned, instead of planning in silos and buying linear television. And even within that, there, might, there are silos and then buying digital platforms individually. Um, one platform is bringing all of those together and we have measurement frameworks that support that. We have planning and delivery platform components that bring, to, bring that to life. So all of those individual pieces in our mind add up to transformation because if we got the industry to pivot from the way that they're transacting today or the way that we are transacting today to this future state, that would certainly complete you know, a full cycle of transformation. Now there's a lot of work that's uh, left to be done both on our side, but quite frankly, on the entire industry side and we can talk about that more in a second, but transformation does not come you know, at the snap of uh, your fingers, but we're not shying away from kind of the complexity of it. And, and so we're trying to lead the marketplace towards a future state that we do believe is transformational. Okay, and what has been the market reaction since you put this out there? As I mentioned earlier, through the lens of a marketer, this is sort of all relatively obvious because we're encouraging them to follow the audiences, to maximize their reach, to know more about those audiences and to be able to measure the impact of their commercial message on their business, all of which have you know, very specific product capabilities and initiatives attached to them. So um, I think if you speak to CMOs or marketing teams at both large cap and in many cases, smaller direct-to-consumer businesses, this is obvious. And they're like, when, when can we start to do business this way? What is subsequently, I think, 
is that you have a whole set of intermediaries that ultimately are the custodians of uh, the business from strategy teams to planning teams, to media teams, to investment teams. And that's sort of the transformation I'm talking about. It takes all of those stakeholders as well as third-party technology platforms, et cetera, to ultimately embrace this same similar way of looking at the future and then changing how they do work on a day-to-day basis. And the incentives are not all aligned to do that today. So again, at the senior executive levels of the agencies, we see significant buy-in to this because again, it's an obvious payoff if we conducted business in this way. And so what we're really engaged with in the marketplace now is knowing that getting from point A to point B is non-trivial. We are doing our part, but we're also engaging with clients and agencies to say, how can we help you if there are in fact roadblocks make those transitions in your own businesses um, and in your own platforms. Uh, There's a fair amount of partnership and interoperability involved whenever you talk about technology and one platform is both a vision, but it's also a technology platform. And so a lot of the investments that we're making are around, everyone has their own view on what their platform should look like. A big part of ours is not to be monolithic and say, this is the only way that we can conduct business. It's meant to say, this will enable a way of conducting business, but it will be interoperable with how you look at enabling business. And that can be done these days because we have teams that are working on APIs. We have teams that are working on software development cycles that are significantly condensed from what prior chapters of this business look like. So we believe we can actually make meaningful progress and, uh, and drive market adoption, given that, back to your, your question, it starts with sort of a yes, this is obvious, now, how do we do this? And I know, um, you know, TV has to do this, but if we unify linear and digital, are we simply protecting the budget that we already have, or can we actually bring new money into TV by doing this? Yeah, so I think one of the themes behind our vision is that the access to premium video, and therefore by definition in the past linear television, has actually been relatively gated. And why is that? Well, it's been a broadcast model because all audiences tuned into a certain network at a certain time are viewing the same commercial, commercial message and those audiences have been massive. So the accessibility to those audiences has a high bar, right? There's a high cost of entry for you as a marketer. And what we feel is that if you democratize the access to those audiences, and the only way to do that actually is to have a complete digitization of video consumption so that every consumer endpoint, every marketer impression that I may serve on any platform and any content is individually sort of available, right? It's impression-based, much like any other digital platform would, would, would operate. When I do that, I produce an incredible amount of inefficiency and waste, both for marketers that are looking to reach specific audiences and may be reaching audiences that don't fall within that level of specificity as a result of the broadcast model, but also for programmers and selling of sellers of, ad, of advertising because we have a greater degree of access to manage yield against that inventory. And so to your question, the democratization of that access to these audiences, in our mind, lowers the bar of entry and the initiatives that we've been working on for the past year or so is to really bring in direct-to-consumer businesses and startup businesses that benefit inherently from getting their products in front of you know, more scaled audiences 
than they might otherwise be able to reach, but they haven't been able to do so because of this high cost of entry. And we're seeing a lot of take up there, and at the same time, a challenge to then be able to demonstrate that impact back to whichever brand we might be talking about in a closed loop cycle. And that's where we get into attribution and measurement of ROI, and again, interoperability in terms of our exposure to how a D2C marketer might be measuring impact on either subscriptions or sales of their products, et cetera. So ultimately, we believe this opens more opportunity for more marketers to be able to reach our audiences than it ever has before. I mean, just talk us through the different campaign strategies that an advertiser can now use across all screens through the one platform, because there is a sort of, you know, there's a choice, obviously, and you can sort yep. of a fairly seamless continuum of different strategies. I mean, just talk us through that. Yeah, so we, we look at it through the lens of sort of four overarching ways of activating against those audiences, as you just said, and they kind of go from broad to more narrow, uh, depending. So one of those buckets is broad reach audiences where you're engaged with mass market, large cap advertisers that are looking to reach pretty much the, the, the mass market audience of, of any given market, in our case, the US. And you can activate those against our entire linear and digital portfolio, much like you would on digital platforms where often demographic targeting is not part of, you know, of the base campaign. So in our case, that's reaching 18 plus audiences across platforms. That's what we call our broad reach audience bucket. We certainly have the ability to do uh, demographic targets as well. But what we're encouraging marketers to understand is that maximizing their reach against those demographic buckets, if it's 18 to 49 year olds or 18 to 34 year olds or women 25 to 54, should occur across the entire portfolio opportunity rather than saying, I need to reach 18 to 49 year olds and I reach, need to reach them in XYZ positions because that limits the opportunity in a more fragmented world, obviously. We're actually stealing a page out of our partners at Sky, Sky's book in this case, uh, where in the UK marketplace and certainly in Sky's business, most of the demographic targeting uh, or demographic campaign flighting happens across all of Sky's networks. Yet in the US marketplace, that you know has not sort of taken shape at at, uh, at scale yet. So that's a big part. Yes, you can reach demographic audiences, but you need to activate them across uh, the entirety of what, what we're referring to as one platform. Then for years we've been investing in what people generally refer to as advanced audiences, which is really a more targeted way of adding criteria and attributes on top of demographics. Those can be commercial in nature, they can be psychographic in nature, they can be bring your own data in terms of customers, and that's where we see most of the uptake. Actually, more sophisticated marketers are bringing their CRM databases and they're looking to create custom matches to say, I want to activate against these audiences on your networks and your digital properties. So there's an advanced audience bucket that we both create segments for and then we optimize campaigns against. And then finally, you know, there is, of course, huge resonance in marketers' messages with sponsorship-driven media activation, whether those are in live events, in sports, whether they are red carpet moments. You know, NBC Universal has a whole set of far-reaching uh, events, both sports, entertainment, news, etc. And that is a very sort of specific way of activating against a moment in time uh, and a franchise where you get a halo effect, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's a football game, 
And so that's another area that we're, that we're continuing to maintain and grow through many of our creative services and creative partnership and sponsorship oriented teams as well. So broad reach audiences, demographic audiences, advanced audiences and sponsorships and, and live events are sort of the four big categories. And it includes addressability as well, does it? It does, where we can enable it, which again, I think in the traditional infrastructure of the US television business has been very encumbered by legacy infrastructure. In the OTT world, that is wide open, and we are basically enabling both programmatic access and addressable access in all of those platforms. But when it comes to the traditional broadcast model, because of how signals are distributed, because of the set-top box technology that exists in many people's homes, addressability really has not scaled in the traditional footprint to the point that it has. We have very deep partnership with Comcast. We're fully addressable in our on-demand footprint within the Comcast footprint. And that's a very valuable offering, obviously, for, for advertisers. But we're continuing to push partnerships on that front beyond just that footprint and the OTT footprint to really encompass all touch points. But, but that's been a multi-year journey, and I think that will continue. Do you think that this ability to sort of combine lots of campaign strategies very seamlessly, and of course you've got broad reach, which the digital ad tech platforms don't have, is that a key advantage for TV moving ahead? Do you see that as a differentiator? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just put our reach numbers in perspective, we reach over 200 million uh, people in the United States every month. As we partner with Sky, as I mentioned earlier, and really create a global platform, we reach over 600 million people across the combined NBC Universal and Sky footprint in over 150 markets. And so those are significant reach numbers, especially on a monthly basis. But on top of that, you have to understand that happens all in premium video, brand safe, high quality environments. And so oftentimes reach metrics are thrown around, but if you're reaching people because they're scrolling through a feed and they're paying a fraction of a second of attention or not to your commercial, that's one way of counting reach. If you are engaged in a consumer's viewing of a 30-minute show or an hour show or a live event, and you're reaching them with high-quality video advertising, then it's another way of counting reach. And so I think there, there continues to be this disparity between those claims to fame. Our reach numbers are backed up. They're third-party verified in every marketplace, and they happen in the context and content that I was just outlining. So yes, we think that is a significant advantage and our job is to make reaching those audiences, you know, as we've talked about, more easy and more measurable and more intelligent. And then I think we have a winning formula. And just to wrap up, I mean, if you could give two pieces of advice to a media company who are embarking on their own journey to digital linear unification, what would they be? Well, I certainly have a couple of pieces of advice based on, you know, I think what, what we've seen in our own experiences. I think one needs to be a recognition that tying vision and strategy in terms of where the puck is going to how you operate the business on a day-to-day basis is a very critical link that I think most certainly advertising-oriented traditional companies have not been able to make. I think it's pretty obvious where the puck is going. I think it's much harder to relate that back to what steps do I take today And so we have a whole group of people that has been dedicated to literally what we call the future of advertising for years. 
And they have focused both on the strategy and the vision part, and they've also focused on the operationalization and connecting those dots on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think that's one. Connected to that, I think there's a recognition that this is a multi-year journey. There's no, there are no quick wins that really are transformational. Yes, there are some quick wins, but they will likely not be transformational. They may be quick wins in the moment. And so you can't just focus on quick wins because that doesn't add up to a long-term vision or strategy. You have to really embark on a, on a multi-year effort. And that means you invest today and you reap the benefits tomorrow, not literally, but you know, in that multi-year journey. So I think most companies are overwhelmed by that because it's sort of distant and too far out there. And it sort of takes commitment today with maybe in their minds, uncertain returns. I think in our case, we have certainty around what those returns are going to be. And we believe that we have strategies that help us get there. And therefore, we're willing to take whatever risk remains to make those investments today and, and, and reap those benefits. So, so that's what I would, I would share. Well, I think it's one of the most important advertising initiatives anywhere on earth right now. So wish you luck with the, the next steps. And thank you very much for coming in today and telling us about it, Krishan. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me and us. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe for all future episodes as we deliver more MediaTel conversations.